Gamers, welcome to the Annie Gamers podcast. This is number one five eight. I'm your host David Estrella, and Evan at Sign Vantvo Minto is not with me. He's not in the building. If you're looking for Evan, you can ask for a refund because he's not here. My guest today is not a guest. It's an actual staff member. Pat, Pat, speak up. Let the people know that you're in the building with me. I'm in the building with David Estrella. And if you're here for Evan at sign Vampfo Minto, you've come to the wrong place. You will not get a refund whether you like it or not. <laughs> oh, dang. I think they can, they can probably sue us now. You got to look for a refund. They'll be like, oh, David said you can get a refund. But Pat says that you can't. Oh, it's going to be. Yeah. Now we're just I mean, we're just causing more problems for Evan with uh with this recording but you know evan welcomes problems he likes uh he likes assertive individuals who are looking to strike it out for themselves so we've just decided like yeah you know what screw you evan we don't need you we can we can talk about mortal Kombat 2021 the uh the the latest blockbuster on the block i guess busting it up wow movies are back pat they are movies have come back people are going to the theaters again apparently Somehow, yeah. No, I checked locally, and my movie theater is open, I guess. <laughs> There's so few movie theaters open. I'm I'm pretty sure that probably doxes me, but uh, yeah, like, if you can go see Mortal Kombat 2021 in an actual movie theater, that's, re- that's really just a sign of, you know, recovery, right? Like, nature is healing. Yeah, nature is healing, and you can go see Mortal Kombat, you can go see... Uh, Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer, hell yeah. Yeah, which beat Mortal Kombat at the box office, I think? What? Under what category? (laughs) This past weekend. Dang, oh wow, Demon Slayer really, really putting the numbers up on the board. I'm happy for Demon Slayer. I just searched movie times for like next to, for like in my neighborhood. And the local theater has five screenings of Mortal Kombat. And eight screenings of Demon Slayer. What? <laughs> That's nuts. I think this is like the only time something like that could actually happen. Like, I think if Mortal Kombat hadn't come out, like, it'd probably be decisively like Demon Slayer number one. Yeah, I think the timing is still a little bit weird because we here in New York are like sort of quasi vaccine. Like, some of us are still on like stage one of, uh, of the vaccination process. Some of us have gotten both. I think like, the April release is maybe a little tiny bit too early, but it's like it's almost there. It's almost in that sweet spot. I think that like May would have been the sweet spot for like a lot more people getting vaccinated because Mortal Kombat. I saw the numbers that it did. Like I think it's going to like recoup its uh, initial investment on the budget, but um, maybe could have done better. Yeah, pro- I mean, probably would have done better. Another yeah, couple weeks and things. People probably rush more out to go see movies. I mean, but the thing, like, it's a big change that we're thinking now about actually going to the movie theaters without that being like a like a life or death scenario. Oh yeah, like I I haven't gone back to the a movie theater yet. I consider it, um, but not yet. Pretty probably yeah, like May June is like the as like the amount of people fully vaccinated goes up. Yeah. I kind of wanted to check out the Fast and Furious screenings that they're going to do. Like they're going to do like free Fast and Furious screenings in uh, in AMC theaters, right? And they're doing the whole series. Yeah, hyping up for uh, F whatever they're at F nine F ten. I think it's nine. Nine, huh? 
not counting the uh, very uh, controversial Hobbs and Shaw movie, I'm sure. Mm, I don't. Yeah, I guess that doesn't count. <laughs> the other part, at least for me, is like, I'm not really super into the idea of going back to a theater and wearing a mask. Oh, absolutely not. Like, I can stay, especially with, and we'll get into this, I guess, but, like, with stuff like Mortal Kombat, where it's also on HBO Max, and I can stay home and watch it, mm. I'm way happier doing that. Yeah, that's like a, that's a stay-at-home movie. That's like, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna drop everything I'm doing to, like, go see Mortal Kombat in a movie theater, but I'm sure that there are a lot of people that really want to go see that in a movie theater, but we're gonna talk later about that. We're talking about how movie theaters are back, but you know what else is back? Dokes is back. Madoka. Madoka, Madoka Magica. Pella, Pella Maggie Madoka Magica is back. It's coming back. And to be honest with you, it's never really went away. But people hadn't noticed because nobody cared about the MOBA gay. Nobody cared about the Magia record a- uh, anime. But now we got a teaser. A teaser dropped for uh, the new film project. Uh, Ur- Urobuchi is coming back to write more Ma- Madoka. And the whole title of it is like Madoka Magica turning the tide of Walpurgis, which is maybe a little bit more positive, I think, than uh, than what we were left off on on the last movie, which was Madoka Rebellion. So this is the first like in the main storyline sequel to Madoka in like eight years. The last movie that had come out was 2013. And initially there was a, a big 10 year anniversary plan uh, event planned uh, for 2021. But since Japan is still like on a, uh, their situation is like, we've got it contained. We don't have it contained. Um, ultimately, I think that the event is just going to be pushed back for like way later when it's like really safe to actually go out and celebrate 10 years of Madoka. At the moment, there are no concrete plans for the release. It's just more of an announcement. They sprung it on everybody. And we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I don't know how you feel about Madoka. If you feel anything at all after such a long time since it was like really on everybody's mind. I I know you're a big Madoka guy, but it's like <laughs> it's not it's never really been a big thing for me. I've actually never seen the movies. Hmm. Um, I saw the TV series and that was it. Um, I've heard about the third movie, uh, but like, yeah, I wasn't like, I, it's never been a thing I was super obsessed with. So yeah, 10 years. Yeah. 10 years is a long time. Uh, even like the eight years from the last movie, like I really sobered on, on, uh, on my hype for it. Just because like a lot of things have also come out, like I got really, really into the Fate Mobage, uh, and even that is like kind of on its like cooling off phase for me, just because I'm like annoyed uh, with a bunch of with a bunch of things with the game. Uh, I don't have like a, currently I, I don't have like a huge obsession uh, that's like current, like that I can expect something new coming out of. And maybe I'm just too old now. Like Madoka came out in like maybe my prime years of being like really a fan of something. Uh, so for it to like come back now is like uh, I'm not turned off by the idea, but I'm also not like super attracted to it yet until I see a little bit more. Actually, on that note, did you not get into Magia Record at all? No, it completely that did nothing me. for you. I only heard about it like that it was out in English. I think the moment that it started shutting down. <laughs> No, uh, and maybe that's some something to deal with with uh, that game shutting down. It shut down last year, I believe, right? 
Uh, yeah, I think last year around like September. That sounds right. End of October. I feel like a lot of these things got hit pretty hard with the COVID stick, um, especially stuff that like gets hyped up at cons. Like the con circuit was just not around for for stuff like uh, like the Madoka uh, Mobage. I remember because I think the Mobage was out in 2019 in English. Um, yeah, it only lasted like a year or so. Yeah, and I remember. I think it was New York uh, Anime NYC. It was the big. It was one of the big things because it's a it's an Anaplex joint, right? Yeah. Um, it was one of the big things because Anaplex had a big booth at that con, and they were pushing Fate Go and uh, Magia Record. Those were their two big things they were hyping up. And then I think it was maybe the the anime for that was on the way at that point. Like on Blu-ray? Because I think it was already airing or like it no, wrapped like a, up airing. About to start airing or something like that. Because that would have been like fall 2019. So they were hyping that up. You didn't watch the anime either? Um, I thought about it, but like these Mobigate projects that when they get adapted into anime, they're like, they're very serviceable. They're, they're like really inoffensive and I don't want to like invest too much time in something that's like just okay. I have like other stuff that I'm into, like reading light novels where I can accept like just okay. With like, with the anime, I've seen so much like okay anime that I feel like I don't really need to see any more okay anime. I need to see something like that's really good or it's like does something really different even if it doesn't work well i just i just want a little bit more excitement out of animation and i think like a a mobage adaptation of the of the modica game is maybe not the most exciting thing on the table sure yeah i don't blame you there <laughs> yeah. uh so anyway madoka will be coming back um we are neither like super excited nor super turned off but it will definitely come back and i think positive like positive thinking uh it's not it seems like the production probably won't be as like destroyed by uh covid especially if they're like announcing the teaser now like clearly there's a lot of work to do if there's no release date yeah and butch is back so well we'll see whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing (laughs) (laughs) it'll be a thing at least a thing thing for sure Speaking of things, we've got things in the queue. You got a you got a queue for me. You got a queued up thing for me to uh, discuss. Yeah, I can talk about a thing in my queue. Um, that's near, near as opposed to far. <laughs> bad pun. Yeah, that was very bad. Pat, cut it out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> anyway, near, near. I am back on near. Um. The remake, remaster of Near Replicant came out. This Is it a spoiler week? to say whether or not it's a remaster or a remake? Uh, well, it's more that they've they're vague about what it is. They 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 they've never called it really either. It seems like it's more of a remaster. Um, I haven't actually played a lot of it yet, and I'll get to that in a second. But there's a uh, some pretty significant changes to like the combat. And mm. like things of in movement and things of that nature that make it it's 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 more than just a remaster, but a lot of it does feel like just like or it's like a remaster, like content wise, it's not majorly changed um, from what I know, because, again, I'm actually not very far into it. Um, uh, and there is some stuff like I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. There's a new ending. Um, oh, nice. 
See, that's what I want to hear, right? Because you can, I mean, you like Yokotaro is a sneaky little child who uh, will will pull the wool over your eyes at a every every opportunity that that the, that'll get. Uh, so yeah, so there's there were four endings in the original, and there's a there's an ending E in the re- in repli- in version one two two four whatever it is. It's a good chance it's probably like a troll ending. Uh, I don't know. For that game, I would expect it to actually be serious. Though I have I have avoided spoilers as well. So, um, did you not play the PS3 version? No, I've played the PS3 version multiple times. Um, I uh, I actually did a hundred percent playthrough of the PS3 version last year. Um, I Ouch. replayed through it because I knew this was coming out and I wanted to revisit the old version first. Um, and the reason I haven't played much of the new version yet is because I'm working on a hundred percent replay of Automata right now. Mm, yeah, that's what I want to do. Especially when they announce that there's gonna be a patch for that game on Steam. Like everybody's just been waiting for a while. Like I know that there's like a fan patch, but uh it'd be interesting to see what <laughs> what the teams over at Square Enix think is like a suitable patch for their like old Steam release of a pretty popular game that nevertheless is like, it's been largely panned as like a really bad port. Right. Yeah. It wasn't a good port, but, um, I'm playing it on the PS I'm playing the PS4 version on the PS5. Um, and I mean, it's still fine. I like it a lot. That game's great. Uh, very, very great. And I highly recommend everybody to play it. Um, so my mind has more or less just been on near for the past week and a half, something like that. I started replaying, uh, automata um like a week before so like a two weeks ago now so i'm working on that slowly that's a pretty long game it's like 40 50 hours about yeah it's it's longer than original near even though original near has a lot more busy work yeah near is also pretty long yeah so like i think i did all the i did 100 percent in that game in less than 40 hours so yeah, they're they're all freaking great. I'm really like I started. I did the the basically the prologue up until you get Grimoire Vice. I basically did that part in the new release of Replicant to just play it, and because it was like it was new, it was in my hands. I had to try it, kind of thing. And then I'm like, all right, I'm gonna stop, go back to the other game, and then when I finish that, I'll come back and replay this all the way through. Do all the because there is new stuff. There's like a new like side story thing and there's some other bonus stuff in there so i'm excited to do all that stuff and i also got the um the way too expensive uh white snow edition yeah you put a picture of that up online didn't you yeah i did it's really pretty um i thought those were like blu-rays in like the in like those boxes but there's scripts right yeah so it's the entire uh voiceover script for the game Oh, man. Uh, including all the side quests and like incidental dialogue and all of that kind of stuff. So it's like a kind of useful. Like every time that I see these special editions, it's like it's a bunch of tat in a like a cardboard box. It's like goes for maybe two, three times the like price for the standard edition. But uh, the near stuff that I've seen is like it's pretty good. Gives you like it gives you a little bit more to chew on than like standard editions for like other stuff that comes out here. Yeah, I don't do special editions really anymore because they're exactly that just a bunch of crap you're gonna like not have any idea what to do with and 
I would rather not have that these days. But like between the script books and then it has like a special um, arranged, like they did like an arrange album for it. That's like they got a bunch of different musicians to do their own arrangements for a bunch of the songs and then like an edit uh, album as well. So it's like two CDs worth of music in there. So it's like, it's actually kind of nice. It's nice stuff, especially like the, the music in Nier is so damn good mm. that it's, it's some of my favorite video game music. And I just, I'm very happy to have diff- like more of it. Yeah. I thought that they printed some like pretty, uh, pretty serious uh, vinyl editions of the, of the soundtracks. Oh yeah. I actually, I have that one too. Yeah. I'd like to grab um, that. It's really nice. Uh, it's the full, yeah. So it's the full Nier and, um, automata soundtracks it's really nice but yeah near is awesome speaking of collecting a bunch of crap uh yeah there's just been a bunch of games on sale over like the past month uh not really on steam but i've just like kept an eye out for stuff going on sale and i picked up the halo master chief collection for like 20 dollars on steam i uh my Halo days are like long past me. I used to be like a big freak for for Halo on Xbox. It's like really, really into Xbox uh, as a twelve year old, uh, and I hadn't touched these games in like since like being twelve years old. Um, and then I saw that like there's a a Steam like remaster release, uh, just like compiles a bunch of the games together. But my thinking was that like you buy the base game and then you had to buy the rest of the games as DLC. But it turns out I was wrong. And then it's just like the marketing for the game is super weird. Like when you buy the collection, you buy all the games. Yeah. It's not DLC. Like you can buy the DLC separately if like you only want to have one game. But basically every copy of Halo is just the Master Chief collection with like different keys unlocking different things. So like, you're just better off buying like the like the standard collection, right? Like why why bother just like buying one game? Uh, so you get like a bunch of Halo games, and I stopped playing after ODST, which is like the spinoff for three. So I played one, two, three ODST, and then I didn't play Reach, and I didn't play four, and I definitely didn't play five because I think that's like an Xbox One title. Haven't had an Xbox since the 360. Um, these games are, uh, what, I mean, would I say classics of the time? Maybe they're like, they're, I would call them classics of the time. Yeah. I I think they're just like, they're very playable for, for the time. I mean, I, I love one, like I played through all of one pretty quickly. Um, just cause I feel like that is a really well-aged corridor shooter with like a bit of ambition to like go out into like open field areas. Um, I remember how shooters used to be around, around that time. Like corridors were a big thing, but then like open environments were maybe a little bit too difficult, especially stuff like N64. Like I think of like GoldenEye, right? Like GoldenEye was pretty hampered in terms of going out into like open fields. And then uh, I didn't touch too much stuff on the PC, but then I think like from what I've seen on PC, a lot of the first person shooters on there were like, they're trying to like meld in like RPG elements and like just like a bunch of other things. And then Halo is like a streamlined, like dumb, like frat bro kind of game. Like you can pick up two guns, you can, you can have like four grenades, uh, and you're like really floaty as well. I wasn't, I, it took me a bit of time to like get used to like the floatiness. Yeah, that's, so I actually, um, 
played the Master Chief Collection. I played through one and two again last year. I'm doing two right now. Yeah. And there, there's stuff about how Halo 1 feels that I just love to it's this perfect. day. It's perfect. I love it. Like, as a game, like, separate from all of, like, you know, the things that it influenced afterwards and the things that it was, you know, uh, cribbing from that had come before it, I think, like, one in of, of itself as, like, just like just the design of it is perfect as a video game. Yeah, it's great. It's It feels so good to play. Um, I got a little frustrated towards the end of the Flood stuff where it's just oh, the man. same corridor over and over again. <laughs> the library. <laughs> the library is just as traumatizing now as it was back then. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's just as frustrating. But um, it's still really it's just like, oh, this game feels perfect. Yeah, it it's feels what I want good. a console shooter to feel like. All the weapons have like their own like there i remember like 10 20 years ago however long it was um i would just say like i like in my mind i had like a certain like a certain tier list of like okay this weapon sucks this weapon's pretty good and they're actually all really good in their own like distinct purposes because the enemies that you fight they're like either they've got shields and then like some weapons are really bad at like breaking through the shields but then you've got other weapons that you can pick up that will pierce through the shields pretty quickly and you can only switch between the two weapons so like you're trying to balance in your head like what weapons am i going to be carrying through through this stage uh so it's like it's stuff that you don't really have to think about anymore because you can just like pick up like a ton of weapons i'm not sure how like the later halos uh have worked out on like weapon limitations if there are even any more weapon limitations i wouldn't be surprised if they got rid of it yeah, that's a good question. Like, I I made it to Reach, and that was the last one I played. So I haven't played four or five either. Two two is weird. I don't remember loving two as much, but two like they introduced like some balance changes, and a lot of the environments became a lot bigger. But I think that uh, I think where it really excelled was just doing the corridors. Uh, yeah, two's a strange game. There's like a light bit of like story also going on in Halo One. It's like it's not it, it like it doesn't interrupt the action. And then Halo Two just has full on cutscenes. Like some stages are actually just cutscenes. Yeah, yeah, like the whole big city invasion with the the big mm. whatever the hell it's called the big alien tank, like the spider thing. thing yeah, yeah, that thing. It's just like a big. It's like a glorified cutscene that you play through. Yeah, it's just a big set piece. Uh, and but I think it's like really. Uh, it really demonstrates what the mood was like in 2004. Like you got like a big like hoorah, like let's go Marines sort of thing mm-hmm. attitude. It's like it's very post 9/11 <laughs> Halo 2. Uh, Xbox Live was a like the big thing. Like you know, that was the killer app, wasn't it? You know, get, you get your Halo 2, you get your Xbox Live. Yeah, get online on Halo. Have a bunch of racist ten-year-olds scream in your ear. Yeah, those were the I days. I never did that, but I never did that with Halo 2. I never played online. <laughs> I played three online. Three was yeah. A I played mess. three online. Three was a mess. Um, I love that game too. The three, I, I really like. Great. I'm looking forward to playing three, but two, I have to like do two and like just reappraise it. And I, I don't think my reappraisal is too far, but I don't hate it. It's just it's it feels weird. It feels like it needed uh, a little bit more time in the oven. Yeah, I think that's generally what like people say about two. And there's a lot. One of the things that's neat is like there's a lot of if you if you go back and look at a lot of the E3 previews for two, 
it looks almost like a different game in a lot of places because <laughs> they very clearly like were way too ambitious and had to pare it back a lot to get it working. And uh, the Master Chief Collection, I think all the cutscenes are remastered. They look really nice. Uh, yeah. I like I like the lighting that they do um, on like uh, on Delta Halo, where like everything's like sort of bright in like a weird way because it's like in lore i don't super care about the halo lore by the way I, there's like tons of lore to dig through but i don't really actually care about any of that outside of one <laughs> uh, but yeah like so like halo like the whole you know it's like an artificial ring world uh and i really like that uh, whenever you're there like the lighting does in fact look artificial it looks like a fake sun or something just it's like it's neat it's got it's got nice touches i know like you know, Halo, like, it's a big meme game, but I'm glad to revisit it for, like, 20 bucks. I mean, they practically gave it away for what it was. Did you, uh, because one of the, one of my favorite things with the Master Chief collection for one and two is you can push the button and switch back to the original graphics. I've done it, yeah. It really, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I was playing on original graphics for a while on, uh, on Halo, but I like the new ones. I think they're fine. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they make it a little brighter, especially in Halo 1 for the indoor environments, which I appreciated. I like, uh, no, I like the, I like, like, the dimness. It, Halo has some great lighting, just overall. Yeah. Really, really inspired lighting. The only place where the, um, switching between the graphics was a problem was the cutscenes in 2. <laughs> because the new cutscenes don't line up with the old ones. So if you push the button in the middle of a cutscene, it would switch the graphics, but the sound would get dis- would get completely messed up and out of sync as a result. Nah. <laughs> it was just really a- funny for me, but I've had I've seen a few glitches in the game, but like they're such big games and they've been around forever. Like a few glitches wouldn't be surprising, and a lot of, they get a lot of game for your for your buck, which is something I like, but. Uh, I'm not sure how much more I'm going to like uh, by the, like it by the time I get to like Halo 4. I probably want to play something else. <laughs> Reach is legitimately great, and you should definitely play it. Yeah, it's a, like a prequel to Halo 1, right? I didn't realize yeah. it was a prequel. Thought, well, I mean, I knew about Reach. Like, I knew the storyline. I just I didn't realize that like the devs cared enough to make like their it like make its own game. You sort of already know what's going to happen, though. I don't know where the drama is going to come from. <laughs> <laughs> True. But it's still very, it's still really, really good. That was like a late period 360 game. No, because four was a late 360 game too. What really? Um, yeah. Wow. So Reach there. was between three and four. You realize the 360 had so many Halos. Oh. Yeah, and Reach was the last one that uh, Bungie made. Mmm. So four is the other. Four is the new team. Whatever. Other guys. Three, four, three. Yeah, that's it. So. I think that's our cue. That is the cue. It's time to dig into the topic slash review uh, because we're probably not going to get away from talking about our personal feelings on Mortal Kombat 2021. There will be spoilers because I feel that this movie isn't necessarily worth uh, keeping anything from the audience. I agree. If you want to like see it so badly, it's literally on HBO Max. You don't even have to move from your like wherever you're at. You can just open up a web page to HBO Max. You can open it up on your phone, I bet. I'm sure there's an application for mobile devices. Uh, go see it and then come back. 
Mortal Kombat 2021, that's a, it's a reboot sort of of the cinematic Mortal Kombat movies that started in the mid nineties with the cult classic Mortal Kombat 1995. Yeah, there seemed to be like hopes that they were going to just continue making Mortal Kombat until the end of time uh, for a brief period uh, in the late nineties. But uh, as some of us might know, Mortal Kombat sort of started to fall out of favor uh, around like, you know, before before the 2000s. Some people will remember that there was like a really bad sequel called Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And Anni- Mortal Kombat Annihilation is actually good. Um, that's 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 my hot take for the show. We can we can argue. We can argue about that <laughs> later. I've seen Annihilation like I've worn down the tape on that thing and I can I, I'll say that it's bad but well that's a that's a different that that's post-show i think (laughs) (laughs) and i keep on forgetting there was a live action tv series and apparently like it aired like right after wcw nitro or something like that it's like a tnt if you remember tnt is tnt still around i doubt it's still around tnt is still around oh wow that's news for me uh yeah, like as far as I understand, they just like showed the live action uh, Mortal Kombat TV series like right after right after your wrestling show. Seems like the perfect thing, right? Like you lead off on uh, on a wrestling show with Mortal Kombat, like perfect. You, you've like basically secured your audience right then and there. Yeah, I do not remember there being a TV show. Sorry, I just don't remember. Oh, because it got canceled, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they ran they ran for like 24 episodes or something like that. And then it just got canceled. And I'm sure like I'm sure Shout Factory has like a DVD of it or whatever. They, they are always saving like weird things that you forgot existed in live action. There was also a cartoon. I remember the cartoon. Do you remember the cartoon? Yeah, I do remember the cartoon. I remember like seeing like two or three episodes of the cartoon before that also, I think, got canceled or they, like, they just didn't renew it. They just like it's very funny that there was a Mortal Kombat children's cartoon at the same time of like the Mortal Kombat like uh, violent video game uh, hysteria, yeah, like it was a very tame cartoon, and like they clearly they clearly knew like what their who their audience was, which was like a bunch of under eighteens. Yes, who were thinking like you know we're playing something that's like forbidden, you know, Mortal Kombat's the forbidden fruit. It's like what we're not allowed to have, so I just wanted that much more. Like the the mid the the nineties in it of itself was like just a big time period for like kids not doing what uh what establishment told them but like really like all the advertising was all like yeah we got attitude we've got this we've got that you know suck it um so i guess there was plans for a third film it seems like a bunch of the original actors that were still like uh attached to the project like 14 15 20 years later were saying like yeah mortal kombat 3 is definitely happening it's definitely happening show up to like a convention or something like just tell like a room like a full of 30 people tell them like yeah Mortal Kombat 3 is definitely happening it Mortal Kombat 3 wasn't definitely happening until like Warner Brothers sometime around like 2016 said it was happening that seems like uh, a big deal right like Warner Brothers stepped up because I'm pretty sure they bought the licenses for everything Mortal Kombat yeah they bought like a ton they bought a lot of Midway's IP when Midway went out of business so they just own Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Midway really burned itself down to the ground. They didn't really have a hit for a while. That's like that's just the story for Mortal Kombat uh, after the after the nineties. Uh, but until Warner Brothers just made smarter decisions, um, 
However, Mortal Kombat 2021, was it a smart decision? We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. So this movie was filmed in 2019. I honestly thought it was filmed in 2020 because some of the like the product that we get, the product that we that we we are seeing on our computer screens slash theater screens, it really does look like like a COVID affected film. It, it it looks like a movie that had like four sets. Yeah, four sets, and they were like sharing half of them with like another like TV series that was also trying to film at the same time. Um, so twenty twenty happened, but it didn't really happen to the movie. It just happened to the release date. The first trailer that had come out for this movie was as recently as february well, that's right i remember like i remember that now like like there were announcements that it was coming out this year and they didn't put out any trailers forever and then like yeah the first trailer they dropped was in february for a movie that came out in april uh yeah just unprecedented times uh unprecedented actions really weird that it's like such a short cycle but now that we've seen the movie i can kind of understand why it's such a short cycle mm-hmm. <laughs> that trailer also showed all, like all the good parts so if you've seen the trailer you kind of don't have to see the movie yeah i believe that 100 percent. it was a it was a red band trailer uh so yeah i mean you really did get to see like all the good parts and it was it was cut up pretty nicely ultimately the the movie screened uh, last week, April 23rd, in the U.S., in theaters and HBO Max. Uh, congratulations to HBO Max for kind of calling uh, a winner uh, after, like, following up on, what was it? They had King Kong, right? And then they had Justice League before that? Yes, yeah, so yeah, they had the Snyder Cut, and then they had Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, well, I guess it started with um, Wonder Woman, and then the Snyder Cut. And then Kong versus Godzilla, or Godzilla versus Kong, and now this. And like they're they're putting all their big movies on HBO Max this year, which like I'm I'm a hundred percent for because I'm like ninety percent more likely to watch any of these movies as a result of them being on HBO Max. Yeah, a lot of these movies aren't like movie theater movies. I don't think Mortal Kombat is a movie theater movie. So it's been a week. Mortal Kombat made about $51 million on a budget of $55 million. I mean, it's not excellent, but it's definitely uh, better than expected, probably given like the whole situation that we're all currently living in. People went to see it, so that says a lot. Yeah, I mean, people actually left the, left the house and went to go see this movie in particular. They, like, they went to go see this one. <laughs> um, I don't know how much longer this is going to go for, um, but... Uh, there'll probably be better movies to leave the house for, so you don't have to leave the house for this one. You might be thinking leaving the house for to go watch Demon Slayer, but I assure you, there'll probably be like a really good movie, and it's gonna ha- happen later. There will eventually be a good movie in the movie theater that you want to go see, and if like anime in the in the movie theater is not your thing, you don't have to go rush out and see Demon Slayer because that thing was like accidentally listed in PSN. Yeah. Yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I saw a bunch of people like tweeting about it like, oh shit, Demon Slayer is on PSN. Grab it before they take it down. It's like it's down now. Before we jump into the actual story of this movie, I want to I wanna kind of broadly talk about the Mortal Kombat-ness of this movie. Yes. Because yes, I think please. that's kind of the actual, that's the story here. More so than like, well, there's a plot about all these fucking annoying characters that you don't actually care about. Mortal Kombat's a thing about atmosphere. It's about a feeling. This movie wants you to feel like you're watching the video game a lot. Mm. Uh, it it goes it goes all in on the violence. 
Um, which surprised me. I don't know why. I didn't. I never actually uh, watched the trailer. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, you actually avoided that trailer. Yeah, I just don't watch trailers in general. So yeah, so you were actually surprised by a bunch of things. But yeah, it, it really embraces one like the violence with like fatalities and stuff like that. Um, just blood everywhere, and then. Like, aesthetically, it goes really, really in on trying to capture the look of Mortal Kombat, which is a surprising thing. Okay, okay. Like, the uh, or more modern Mortal Kombat, with, like, kind of, like, a grime to everyone, but they're still, like, it's still, like, um, Sub-Zero or um, Scorpion or Jax. It's, like, it feels like they really wanted it to look like the video game. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It's it's just a very strange thing about this movie. It that it, it it feels like a video game. I feel like they didn't go hard enough on the on the aesthetic. Yeah. Um just because like I watched this movie and then I watched the uh Paul W. S. Anderson nineteen ninety five Mortal Kombat, like right afterwards, and like <laughs> All right, like so, nine, Mortal Kombat '95 is like one of my favorite pieces of uh, trash art. Like, it's just it is aesthetically like it understood it. It understood what like its subject matter was supposed to be uh, as a movie. And and like, uh, th- I mean, this is '95. It's like I think like Mortal Kombat three had just come out. I'm not sure if like the revised Ultimate Mortal Kombat three had come out, but it's like they really only worked uh, as closely with like. Mortal Kombat 1, like the first one that had come out, uh, which is like, that is a really grungy game. Like, I think it was like filmed on what, like high eight cameras, like all like the digitized characters. Like it looks really lo-fi, but it was just, it was the biggest thing on planet Earth for for a few months. (laughs) That movie does a great job of embracing the camp Mm -hmm. of MK1. Because MK, like Mortal Kombat 1 is a very campy game. Even though, yeah, it had a bunch of blood and, you know, ripping out people's spines and all that kind of dumb stuff. Like, there was, there was the mystique in there um, with, like, secret characters, secret codes. Like, it, it went really heavy on its lore, but it was still an arcade game. They realized, like, you could only, dra- like, attract people for so long. It wasn't until, like, the home versions that, like, people, like, started to dig in a little bit harder on that stuff. But, like, arcades as a thing were a thing then. <laughs> For some people, like, their experience with Mortal Kombat was, like, strictly, you know, visiting the arcade and dropping a few quarters. This movie goes really hard into, I feel, goes very hard into the aesthetic of modern Mortal Kombat. Mm, Yeah. Which, like... It's, like, very depressing, very grim. Very, very grim, very brutal, brutally violent, really uh, photorealistically violent as well. Yeah, that was a little surprising, I think. And this movie goes in on that in that direction, which can I feel hurt it a little bit because it makes it a little hard. It it's 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 a little harder to like cheer. I feel like when it gets really gross, there's like a it, it, it there's a there's a really fine line there, and I think a lot of times like this lands on the wrong side of it, which is the same reason I don't play modern Mortal Kombat, other than the fact that I just can't stand how they feel. <laughs> Um, like I don't play those games now, and a lot of the reason why is because of how violent they are. There's also just better designed fighters out. <laughs> yeah, 
like Mortal Kombat really rode uh, on on its like subject matter and and aesthetic for a while. But like the actual game, like I played uh, Ultimate Three for you know for for kicks and giggles uh, very recently, like this weekend, and that game controls like ass right now. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't have a whole lot going for it. Um, and that's just like because there's been a lot of progress over 20 years or so, um, unsurprisingly. And Mortal Kombat's like a relic of, of the past. But I can acknowledge like, you know, the the camp factor in it. It's like there's really nothing else like it. Yeah. I love the camp. I love it when it's campy. It's really fun that when it's like that. Yeah. And like the first Mortal Kombat's like almost like a PG action movie. Uh it's uh, I mean, there's like some gross, violent bits, but it's like, it's very like, you know, like, haha, you know, this is like just like a silly thing, and you know, we we act a, we asked a bunch of actors to like, uh, just like punch each th- punch each other in ridiculous outfits and like throw some throw some like witty one liners, and they do one liners in this movie, which threw me off a bit. There's like that like mar- marvelization of uh, of like the of like the script. <laughs> Just like downplaying like a bunch of stuff for laughs. There's a there's a lot and it's like there's a lot of like one liners and it's a lot of stuff taken directly from the games. Yeah. And sometimes I felt like that the movie was more like trying to call back to the uh, old 95 film uh, in like weird, weird places that I, like, I hadn't actually considered like, oh, OK. So like the I guess like the director or the scriptwriter thought that this was worth uh, calling back to instead of like doing something completely new and original. I mean, there's not high expectations for Mortal Kombat. Let's like, let's not, let's be, let's be real for a second. Like they weren't high. I didn't have high expectations for this movie, but I think Mortal Kombat does give you a lot of room to play around in and maybe do some stuff that doesn't really work, but at least have fun with it. I'm not sure who had fun making this movie. Yeah, that's basically it. So the movie's bad. Um, the movie's bad for a variety of reasons. Uh, it's not necessarily bad for being the directorial debut of Simon McQuoid, who I'm probably going to butcher, who has uh, shockingly just a one-line entry in Wikipedia. They were like filming commercials in Australia, I believe, for a while. And like, this movie is a product of Australia as well. Uh, that's, I mean, that's weird, but okay, I'll we'll, we'll go with it. Um, the one thing that I think Mortal Kombat does do right is that it does have a very diverse cast. It's actually got the balls to put an Asian lead in Mortal Kombat. And I think this is due to, uh, what's his name? Justin Wan, the uh, producer for, well, director for Saw, right? Right, yeah. So he was like, he's in a producer role for Mortal Kombat, which like makes a lot of sense, right? Like to get the director for Saw to produce your Mortal Kombat movie. Um, they had like some pretty, they got some pretty, uh, heavyweight actors for, uh, for Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Yeah. Hiroyuki Sonata and Tadanobo Asano who are like real. Well, Asano is, uh, uh, Raiden. Oh, right. Yes. Asano is Raiden. You're right. Joe Ta- Taslim is, uh, is, um, Sub-Zero. Yes. Who had a big role in the raid. <laughs> And has been like he's been featuring like in a bunch of stuff since then. But um, as far like as like a prominent role, I think like Sub Zero is one of like the first like big Western roles that he that he's gotten, which is great, right? Because he's not getting any younger. And surprisingly, like a lot of their actors are pretty old. Like Scorpion's sixty years old. Scorpion's an old guy. It makes a lot of sense though in the story that he should be a bit older. But maybe like sixty is 
kind of old. He, but he performs really great. Scorpion and Sub-Zero are pretty good in this movie. They did they did right by them. The movie's all over the place as far as how its action is like laid out. Like the stuff with like Scorpion and Sub-Zero and even our um our lead guy whose name escapes me. Um oh, that's um the actor and the character's name both escaped me. Louis Tan. Um, Louis Tan is Cole Young. Cole Young, the uh, character who's never been in a Mortal Kombat game. Yeah, he's an OC for this movie. Oh, original characters in Mortal Kombat. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about whether or not that's good uh, later on. But yeah, so okay, so Mortal Kombat is being led by an original character. Yeah, because you needed new characters in Mortal Kombat. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> didn't have enough of them. But uh, the, the point I was going to make is like, when you have like a Sub Zero or um, Scorpion there, if he, like the the action, like you know, it was less um, less magic. Though they were obviously magic people anyway, they were Sub Zero and Scorpion, and the camera stayed still a little more because like these are people who actually knew what they were doing. Um, and then a lot of the the rest of the movie, like because it because it was much more fantastical and a lot more like. CG monster type people, you know, like Goro and whatever. Like there was like, it felt more like Hollywood action during those sequences. So it's like you you got a mix of both, and I don't think that uh, did uh, the more traditional sequences any favors. Because I like it when a movie, I like it when the camera stays still and I can see what's happening. Uh, do you like it when it's just it's dark and it's moving all around the place on like a CG creature? <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's so much fun, and I totally understand why anyone's doing anything in those scenes. Yeah, so I thought that the opening sequence um, that, like, takes place, I don't know, like, 500 years in the past, uh, uh, covering, like, some of, like, the background between Sub-Zero and Scorpion, like, that one was pretty neat, although it's, like, it's so weird compared to, like, the rest of the movie. Like, it just doesn't feel like it belongs in this movie. It's, like, a different movie altogether. I mean, it's probably the best part of the movie. Just, like, it's, like, the best acted, and it's it's slow and methodical and building to something. And then uh, it just turn and then it kind of just goes all over the place after that point. Yeah, so later it becomes, like, a, a story about a down-on-his-luck fighter in... Midwest America, uh, still filmed in Australia. Like, there's some good stuff with color and like allusions to what's going to happen later in the story, but like, the movie hits the brakes pretty hard uh, when it's like just trying to like provide some humanity for Cole and his family. It's like, it's largely like Cole is like a family driven uh, protagonist, which yeah, that, that was sort of the deal in Mortal Kombat 95, but it was more about Liu Kang finding revenge uh, for his brother, right? Like, the sequence that uh, kicks off Liu Kang's journey in Mortal Kombat is, like, it's really short, and it's got that iconic, like, uh, your soul is mine bit, which we're going to talk about your soul is mine later, but... Uh, yeah, like, it, uh, it's just, it's way snappier, like, the intro is way snappier in Mortal Kombat 95, although it doesn't have the really nice sequence where it's, like, supposed to be filmed in Japan, like, Mortal Kombat, like, listen, I mean, we gotta mention, like, Mortal Kombat is a product of, uh, American minds, <laughs> like, it's, like, American minds that, like, uh, assume, like, oh, you know, like, 
this is like sick. Like it's like we were putting like a lot of Asian influence in our game. You know, we got like ninjas that breathe fire and shoot ice and stuff. Isn't there a story? Um, and I'm gonna get all of. I'm gonna probably get all the details wrong in this, but I swear there's like a story that like one of the cook creators. It was either Ed Bone or John Tobias had like a really like a book uh about like like asian martial arts or something i'm using air quotes <laughs> and it just had a bunch of flat out wrong information and that's where a lot of their stuff came from <laughs> like i swear there's something like that about it but i don't remember it off the top of my head exactly right oh yeah mortal kombat mortal kombat is a thing with like just a lot of half truths that have needed like they they still need to be cleared up even now <laughs> yeah but like I, this movie, I think, tries to to tie things up a little better, and it does an okay job of it. Mm-hmm. But I I do think it like you're talking about. Yeah, it's kind of built. It like a lot of the early plot is building around our our uh, OC Cole and his like family thing, and that early part of the movie is where it strains the most under the weirdness of what Mortal Kombat is. Right, yeah, because, like, you flip you flip gears pretty quickly. Um, like, Sub-Zero comes for his family. There's a car chase, uh, sort of, sort of a car chase. Like, I mean, they're just going really fast inside of a car, and it's probably not even moving. Well, they're, yeah, they're running away from Sub-Zero, and then Sub-Zero just teleports in front of them. Which is pretty good. It's like he just, here I am. Here's me. And we get the origin story of why um, Jax has robot arms. I mean, did we need the origin story? Did we care? We got it. Like, we got it regardless. Yeah, I I guess that's like, that's uh, one of like the first major fights that's like Mortal Kombat flavor-ish. Like, Jax doesn't, Jax gets owned by Sub-Zero and then like just suffers a fatality at the end. Jax falls off from like a high ledge and I thought that was a reference to like the games right because like uh, characters get uppercutted into like a pit of spikes all the time just characters falling from high places uh, in like at the end of a fight is like a big Mortal Kombat thing so I thought that they were trying to do it there they did it in the 95 Mortal Kombat and like the climax which I think is just perfect like that's why I knew I, that's why I know that like that, that movie really captured the spirit of it because like that when you see that in the game that is a big moment especially if you're like five years old and like you're just watching like somebody play mortal kombat like probably like your old, older brother or somebody and like they uppercut like uh, a, a guy into a pit of spikes uh but no like Jax falls uh like from uh from a high ledge and then that's not the that's not it for Jax. Jax comes back later. Uh Cole Cole decides to like regroup with his family back at their house because it's probably safe there, right? Even though they're dealing with like a teleporting uh frozen ninja guy. Yeah, and then Cole's like, "Well, they're after me for some reason." So I have to go find this other, this lady that, uh, this guy, mind you, Jax is some guy he just met. Just met. And then there's this teleporting Iceman attacking them. So he's like, oh, he told, he, and then like Jax is like, run away, go find, um, Sonya Blade. And he gives him like an address or some shit. And then he goes and meets Sonya Blade. And it's just like this, like, it's really contrite because it's like this, like, it's supposed to be this magic fighting tournament thing that everything's building to, but it spends a lot of the movie with like running away and hiding in places early on. Running away, hiding in places that look like just trailers. 
there's a lot of there's a lot of that there's like a lot of just uh lack of any like mystique in, in the in the set designs yeah i mean like so at this point outside of the the like the the japan sequence that we've already talked about the sets we've seen have been a gym uh de- decrepit mma gym street uh for the car chase um house in the middle of nowhere and junkyard with a trailer in it i mean by the time we got to like mortal kombat 3 or 4 like some of the stages you like were actually just that <laughs> yeah um, but like, think about like 95 Mortal Kombat again, like they were all on like a creepy ghost boat and that got, and then they took them to an island in, in, uh, in like Thailand, I believe. And it's like, they got some beautiful imagery in, in that movie, just from the island itself and like some gorgeous sunsets and stuff. Um, when they fight, it's like, it's in like creepy hallways with like all sorts of like, just whoever was designing the sets on that really went to town. And then whoever was designing the sets in Mortal Kombat 21 was all like, uh, where do you want the garden gnome? Yeah. The garden gnome's very important. The garden gnome. The garden gnome has never been quite as important as like, uh, not, not since, uh, half-life two episode two, I believe. I never played the episodes, so I can't. Okay. So this is a reference to a garden gnome that you can pick up at the beginning of half-life two episode two. And if you carry it all the way to you to like the final part of the game, you get an achievement. Ah, Last time a garden gnome was important in a piece of media up until Mortal Kombat 2021. (laughs) Um, so Sonya and Kano are introduced to us and they're just like two people chilling, uh, in, a in a dinghy trailer discussing like vital plot stuff and you got like you got like the charlie day board where it's like a bunch of shit on a wall and it's like a bunch of things being connected right you know yeah just a bunch of like she uh, apparently sonia and jacks have been investigating this mysterious shadow realm tournament thing or this thing called the mortal combat like for years now or something for some reason. For some reason. Uh, I don't even know. I don't remember why Kano was there, but like, it just seemed like they needed an extra character in there to be captured by Sonya. They needed a, they needed another guy on like with a, with the, the tournament symbol thingy on him. Mm-hmm. Is that a Mortal Kombat thing? Um, I don't, I literally so. don't know. I don't think so. I think it's like original, like, cause all that, like, uh, if you kill a guy with the symbol, it like passes on to you. That seems like a movie original. I wouldn't know. I don't like, I don't know if that's like later Mortal Kombat, but it's definitely not in like one or two or three. I think like just like a bunch of competent fighters got invited to partake in this grand tournament for like the fate of the world. So there's a reptile sequence in this movie, which I thought was like, uh, that's also like sort of an allusion to, uh, I think like the 95 movie, but it sucks. It sucks because it sucks because it's like, uh, an invisible creature. That's like also a bit of a CG effect. And then you got like a room of like three people being super confused and shouting at each other, like hold it. And then like, they're, I mean, they're acting, they're doing their best with the material, but it's like, the sequence in 95 is one of the best fight sequences in that movie <laughs> because reptile is supposed to be just be like a color swap of sub-zero and scorpion and since they're making like a serious scorpion versus sub-zero storyline in this movie they just make reptile like a cg lizard thing yeah it's it's not good looking and 
it uh, in the whole fight sequence is just awful because it's just people. Yeah, like you said, bouncing around, screaming at each other, and then occasionally he'll uh, he like becomes visible again. Yeah, and then like they like shoot him with a gun. It's really really lame. I mean, like at least like Paul W S Anderson has understood like, hey, this kind of sucks to have a bunch of actors like pretend that there's like an invisible creature thing here. Why don't we just change it into like a full on fight sequence between Liu Kang and Reptile? That sequence owns. I love that bit in that movie. Uh, and then I really hated that Reptile is just an invisible lizard that gets its heart taken out i don't know that's like that's what kano's like one fatality uh yeah they had to get that fatality in they had to say fatality at least once i think they say it a couple of times more they say it a couple times anyway they agree kano agrees to like a two million three million dollar deal to like uh smuggle them into i don't know like the desert with like a secret for some reason he happens to know where the super secret layer for raiden raiden is it Raiden? Oh, they say it both. Uh, that's one thing I really like that like one person says Raiden and then immediately in like the next scene, somebody else says Raiden. Yeah, that I, I think it's intentional because it's like <laughs> a Ryu Ryu situation, right? Raiden, Raiden. Um, I want to believe it's on purpose because otherwise like I, there's like no other piece of fan service in this movie that I really enjoyed quite as much as that. And if it's accidental, I don't want to know. <laughs> But but either way, for some reason, Kano happens to know the one place they're trying to get know how to get to the one place they're trying to get to and agrees to take them. Well, there. I mean, like, I mean, like Kano, like, says something like, oh, I used to run drugs there all the time. And I'm like, OK, so he's a drug runner, it's like hitting up this temple full of like Shaolin monks. Uh, OK, I believe it. Sure. I mean, Mortal Kombat is definitely an exercise in suspension of disbelief. But it like it's a very quick, uh, dirty sequence to just get actors out in the desert where it's like it's not we're not in Chicago anymore. I think it's Chicago. I think it was supposed to be Chicago. They're not they're not really specific where it where it ever like the rest of the movie has been taking place. Nor does it matter too much because now we are are in like mystical some some place some uh, some place a cave in the middle of the desert. They they get to the desert and then. Uh, that we finally meet Liu Kang. This Liu Kang is not my favorite. He's not bad. He's just, he's a, he's a little bit too, like, childlike and serious. He's a little young, maybe. He's not even that young. Like, the actor, the actor's not even that young, but, like, he looks like a teenager in, in this version. And, like, um, what's his name? Oh, he was the Black Power Ranger in the, in the, in the reboot Power Rangers movie. Really? Yeah, apparently. Wow. Imagine getting like a role in Power Rangers and then getting a role in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. Like if you were born in the 90s, like <laughs> Oh yeah. Must uh, that must be a trip. Um It must be really cool actually. Uh, like as I was saying like a uh, Robin Show, uh the lead Liu Kang in 95 Mortal Kombat was like a pretty established uh uh action movie star by the time he showed up for mortal kombat so like he's got a lot of presence in the 95 mortal kombat i think like like johnny cage is the one that crack it cracks all the jokes in in that movie but i think like the energy that uh that Liu kang puts up in that movie is like it really defines the Liu kang in my head so for like um this very like childlike uh 
like soft spoken Liu Kang just like drifts through all the corridors and like talks down at the other fighters. It's like it's maybe not like the most um hey, we got Liu Kang moment, you know. Yeah, it like he's weirdly like subdued and like underplayed and really underutilized in the movie. Very underutilized, yeah. But a lot of that's because like they just they chose to focus on this sub zero scorpion story instead. Which okay. Alright, we can we can do that. We can we can focus in on that. Um, Kung Lao is in this movie. That was yeah. surprising. I didn't realize like Kung Lao was such like a big role. Uh, but Kung Lao, I think, in the lore is related to Liu Kang, so it does make a bit of sense for Kung Lao to show up now. For the moment, we've just been seeing largely MK1 characters, which fine, that works. Right? If we, if it was only exclusively MK1 characters, I nobody would complain. They introduce a couple more MK2 characters. Okay, MK2 is fine. Uh, they introduce like weird characters when Shang Tsung shows up. Uh, I don't know how you feel about the selection of fighters that they picked there. I don't even remember the girl with the wings. Oh, I don't remember that one at all. <laughs> if that is a character from the video games, they must be from later ones. Because I didn't remember them at all. Um, it made perfect sense that they would use Goro because it's Goro. Goro, yeah. Goro's Goro. Yeah, he's iconic. Uh, I mean, Melina was fine. Who's the other guy? Reiko? Yeah, the one with the hammer? Did you know that that is Nathan Jones? Oh, no shit, really? Nathan Jones, who had like a brief stint in uh, WWE like yeah. 20 years ago, just decides to show up for Mortal Kombat 2021. I honestly thought that guy was dead. Like, no joke. No, he's a... Uh... He's he was in um Fury Road. Oh wow, okay. I didn't know that was him in Mortal Kombat. He looks like a lot bulkier in that. Well, I mean a lot of that is probably effects. Like thankfully it looks like there were some practical effects. Um because like you had I mean, it's probably a guy underneath like fifty pounds of makeup uh for oh, yeah. Reiko. Uh but then they like they put Cabal in in the, yeah, Cabal was weird. That was really weird. He's also like a comic relief character, like sort of a foil for Kano. So Cabal was what, an MK3 character? I remember Cabal because like Cabal had like a bunch of weird fatalities. Uh, they were like, they were just funny. You like, uh, like scare somebody in like to, to death or whatever. Like at that point, like they were just running out of ideas for, for, uh, for Mortal Kombat characters. Yeah. And I guess Reiko's an MK4 character. I literally Googled him because I just didn't know who he was. Yeah. And the other one uh, is like even later. It's like uh, Mortal Kombat, like the video game reboots. Yeah. The the bird the bird lady or the lady with the wings. Yeah. Yeah. The lady with the wings. But Melina, though. Melina is like the most underutilized character that they've got. Yeah. They didn't really go in on. Uh, they didn't use her much. She was clearly like positioned is kind of like Shang Tsung's like like there was Sub-Zero and then there was Melina and then there was the rest of them but that still meant she barely had any screen time well I mean she dies last uh from that group so she was important but not important enough to like uh have that much bearing on the story so yeah I mean it's just like it's just a bunch of characters that show up to die later on unfortunately uh the training sequences were not great it's pretty bored but like it was pretty dull for the entirety that they're in um 
They're like in um, the temple training. It's all kind of a waste of time. Like they're, they're trying to introduce that arcana thing, which is like, this is how everybody has mystical powers. And it's like they just believe in themselves hard enough that they conjure up like laser beams from their eyes or uh, like uh, hats. The, that can the powers are stupid. Like, like they, 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 by giving like an explanation to their magical powers. And again, I don't know if like the mortal, the late mortal combat, the modern, the reboot games handle this stuff at all. But like by giving them powers, it just, or like ma- giving them like an origin for those powers. It just makes it all really stupid. Cause like then, then it's like, all right. So Kano's mystical power that he gets by being a fighter is a laser eye. Mm-hmm. Jax is like uh, Jax comes back here and they give him shitty robot arms <laughs> and they suck and he can't do anything with them. But then he 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 awakens his arcana or whatever the heck it was called and he gets super good robot arms. Yeah, just believed in himself hard enough, but only after getting his ass kicked. So it's like uh, it's like um uh like a I don't know like a tokusatsu sort of thing. You get your ass kicked and then. You turn it around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just basically Mortal Kombat is just like violent hero shows, isn't it? Pretty much. Like, I, I like is um, Kung, Kung Lao's like magical power is that he throws the hat really good, I guess. <sighs> throws a hat real good. I mean, he's a good fighter outside of that. Um, but then like he just had like because it's Mortal Kombat. You need a, like a gimmick, right? You need you can't just punch somebody really hard and that's it. Although I'm pretty sure that's probably somebody's fatality. Uh I would, I mean, isn't Kano's just punch, like punching through your chest and ripping out your heart? Oh, but the heart thing at least lends it a bit of character. So at this point in the movie is where we have the most scenes with, uh, Raiden, Mm. um, and, um, Shang Tsung. Doing the best they can with the material. (laughs) Yeah, they, they both don't, they, they both feel like they're phoning it in. Yeah, they're more than anyone else. I'm sure like they showed up there and they were like, God, I'm sort of stuck doing this now, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, Asano, who's, who's riding, is just like barely there. Has to follow up on Christopher Lambert, though. Like, Yeah, that's true. That's tough. That is a tough, tough thing to do. He has the glowy eyes at all times, right? Like, I don't think they, they ever go away in this movie. They don't go and, away. He's stoic. Like, they must have told him to to be as flat as a board as possible. He had to have been directed that way. He's too good of an actor to not have been directed that way. Maybe just, like, received no direction at all. So he's just like, okay, we'll just do a basic line reading. Yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to just care? stand here. And, and then the um, the guy playing um, Shang Tsung... It's it's very much the same issue where he 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 tries a little more. Tries a little bit more. He's got he's like he has the fun stuff like uh, saying flawless victory. Yeah. Uh, but then like just there's not like the same power as um, as the old Shang Tsung who is so iconic that they brought him back for the rebooted video games. Like they literally put that Shang Tsung in the video games with the DLC. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's like it's really good because like he is also like just slightly older than the scorpion that shows up in this movie. He probably could have showed up. The original Shang Tsung was Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. Yes. I forgot that. That's right. Yeah. And he owns like every scene that he's in in, in that movie. 
Uh, and then Shang Tsung just like sort of fills in, uh, just, you know, says, says, quips a couple of lines and that's about it. Yeah, he's kind of, he's there. He's not like. Not an, not like offensively bad. It's just, you know, you've got a big role, like you got to own it. It doesn't feel like anyone really gets the opportunity to own that stuff other than Scorpion and Sub-Zero. And I guess Kano. Like, to be fair, like a lot of the problems also just the direction and, and the writing that they're getting. Uh, it's not, nothing really feels momentous in Mortal Kombat for a while. Well, that's kind of what I mean. Like, no one has the material to really go in, even if they wanted to. But yeah, then like the, I guess like the the climax of the movie is just everybody fights a bunch. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, like, so Kano is convinced to turn traitor by Cabal because they're, they're, they're good mates from way back, I think. I don't know. It, it almost seems like they hate each other, but Cabal is all like, oh, riches beyond your imagination, which like, yeah, Kano's that kind of character, like to fall in line, to fall in line with, uh, with Shang Tsung. Actually, uh, I want to double back on something real quick. The whole premise of this movie is Shang Tsung's trying to kill all of them so there won't be a tournament at all. Mm -hmm. So, like, the whole movie is them trying to stay safe to avoid getting killed before the tournament. It's such a weird premise. Yeah, what the hell's the point if you're doing Mortal Kombat? I'm not sure I really like a Mortal Kombat movie, like, coming out the gate and being all like, well, it's about the bad guys trying to ensure that there is no tournament. (laughs) It's like you're just complicating things. I think like just a tournament, like just a basic tournament would have been fine. People would not have hated it. Seeing a tournament would have at least like some of the encounters would have at least made more sense. Because like right now, like the encounter, like the big encounter with like all the fighters is like, um, okay, so all the heroes of Earth get their asses kicked. Right. Raiden teleports a bunch of people into like the, a white space void. And then they come up with a plan where it's like uh, Cole tells Raiden like, oh, you can transport people anywhere, really anywhere that you want. And then like he can teleport anybody anywhere whenever he wants, apparently. So, OK, so we're just finding out about this broken ability. Right. <laughs> it's very good. Um, don't think too hard on it. Right. Because then like. All the fighters get teleported into like weird stages that are like so disconnected from the movie. Uh, it's like they, they're like fight arenas specifically made for the purpose of like characters fighting, but there's just no lead up to it. It's just we're in the void and then suddenly we are in like fantasy uh, Mortal Kombat world. And it's like these sets at least look a little bit closer to what the game looks like, but also there's like. You were trying so little up until this point. Like, why try hard now? (laughs) Well, hold on, because that's only one of the sets. Because, and we actually did skip. We didn't talk about Goro, but we'll go back. Oh, we we can talk about Goro. Like, Goro is in this sequence. So, no, the thing thing is, like, Goro is also tacked in on this sequence. So, what they do is they they have Goro show up and attack um, OC... When he's back home with his family. All right, because he said, screw the tournament. I don't care. Yeah, he's like, I suck and don't have superpowers. I'm going home. Uh, So they send him home. And then Goro attacks him. And then while Goro is attacking him, everyone else attacks the the temple because Kano betrayed them. Mm -hmm. And that's where um, Kung Lao gets his soul uh, eaten. Yeah, that that part is like, yeah, I mean, you need Shang Tsung to take somebody's soul. But even then, it was like kind of a little undercooked. 
it was very undercooked because it was just like one we we don't really know the character very much and it's supposed and they want it to be this dramatic scene because like Liu Kang can't get there in time to save yeah. him but it just feels really like like the timing is off it doesn't feel like it's building to it right and these were like the most accomplished fighters that they had as well like it almost seems like there was like no resistance like it almost did wouldn't matter if it was Kung Lao or if it was like Jax with his like uh little bony uh bony robot arms yeah god that, it was so ridiculous to watch Jax try to like box uh with those little arms like it's like not even like the right shape for his body <laughs> uh they really they really like i don't know what the intent was here but like their characters like they downplay their best abilities up until the moment when uh, they awaken to their arcana for no good reason, I think. Like, we don't need to see the characters suck. Like, we know we know the character, we know what the characters look like. We know what they're capable of because we've all played the game. Nobody, I don't think anybody's sitting in on a Mortal Kombat movie in 2021 who doesn't have a little bit of experience with, like, what made the characters good in the games. I think it's, like, a lot of it was just they wanted to save the iconic bits for those final fights for everybody. Yeah. Because, like, like, so, like, Shang Tsung does the soul thing, and that's kind of the last thing he does in the movie. <laughs> he has, like, one more scene later on, but... Yeah, but he doesn't actually do anything at that point. He's just kind of, like, and leaves. And, like, he doesn't even fight at that point. Like, he just leaves. And then, like, so Cole beats up Goro and gets his... Yeah, because he wakes up Arcana in the middle of it, and it's like he just Iron Man's himself uh, a little bit. It's it looks like such a cheap, cheap. Costume. It's like an Iron Man shirt, and that's it. Yeah, he gets he gets a shirt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it really didn't look like it was finished. It looked like he needed more stuff. Um, I'm not sure if they're like just saving it for uh, okay, like. Maybe there's going to be a sequel. There's so much stuff that's wrong in here that really seems like the intention was that there's going to be a sequel. Who knows if there's going to be a sequel? Yeah. It would be cool if there was a Mortal Kombat movie with a tournament in it. Oh, well, uh, yeah. I think that's what they want to do, right? Like, they had a they had a movie now without a tournament so that they could have a movie with a tournament in the next one. They were really, they were really like, just, uh, they had high hopes for this one to, like, uh, make people excited for Mortal Kombat again to have a sequel with a tournament. Why, why not just do it all now? Like, why not just yeah. go for broke? Just say, like, if this is the last Mortal Kombat movie we ever make, let's make it the best one. But I'm sure there were other issues. There was also, like, like the last... So the, the last chunk of the movie feels like it's just a bunch of tournament fights that aren't a tournament because it splits everybody up one-on-one. Mm-hmm. On one. Mm-hmm. So you get Sonya fighting Kano. You get... um. Jack's fighting Nathan Jones. Yeah, Jack's fighting Nathan Jones. Um, Liu Kang fights uh, Melina. Liu Kang. Uh, yeah. Well, who who takes care of the uh, bat wing lady? She. Uh, I think um, Kung Lao kills her before anything else happens. Oh, true. She gets like sliced. She gets like bisected. Oh yeah, you also got Cabal like hanging around in there. Did anybody kill Cabal? Oh no! Wait, Liu Kang did fight Cabal. It's like we don't even remember who was fighting who because it's like it a bunch of fights happening at the same time. Like nothing is really given the amount of weight that it deserves, and they all just uh, bounce back and forth between all of them, so you're never focused on anything. Yeah, 
it's it's honestly like some marvel avengers shit where it's like just a bunch of noise happening on the screen 100 percent. so like the only things you really remember are like a couple of really big set pieces so like and actually this isn't even a set piece it's just like it was the one thing set up earlier in the movie is sonia sonia kills kano by jabbing the the garden gnome in his <laughs> eye that was uh yeah that was one of my least favorite parts where they just, like, just get teleported back to the trailer uh yeah and they just fight in a narrow hallway and then a bathroom and then they get tossed out of the bathroom through i don't know like the wall or the window or something and then the garden gnome is there so kano dies like crawling around on on the dirt with a with a gnome in his head yeah he gets brained by a gnome yeah it's like i i don't know what was happening there like why did it have to happen there like why was that fight set up why was it all staged like in this area like that that is the least moral combat feeling uh of like the whole movie for me yeah just that that fight between sonya and kano and it's like it's so similar too to like 95 moral combat as well because like sonya kills kano in there but it's like it's part of the tournament like kano just dies on the beach but at least it felt like it, it was like set up uh there's a lot of setup in the in the beginning to like at least get to that point yeah and the fight itself was like the at least i think like the sound design for um for a lot of the action is like it's it's very uh it's very early 90s it's like very loud and and uh exaggerated uh but it's like it's way better than like the sort of muted quality that a lot of the fights take uh when it's just you know the punches and the kicks uh in 21 Liu kang is the one who fights cabal mm-hmm. and uh cole fights melina oh okay and then Cole gets his ass kicked by Molina, and at the last minute, um, Sonya gets teleported in and use her new, uses her new laser cannon hands to like shoot a hole through her stomach. Yeah, like that is like the quickest anybody has ever learned about that Arcana thing, and then actually applied it in practice. <laughs> yeah, she was ready at that exact moment to to shoot her new fist cannon uh, through the monster's uh, chest. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Whatever, and then Cole get, and then Cole gets teleported back to the the shitty MMA gym to fight uh, Sub Zero. Yeah, and it's all f- like frozen over because it's Sub Zero. <laughs> yeah, like just in case, like you didn't like you forgot, you know, like Sub Zero uh, controls ice or water or whatever makes things like really cold. I don't know. Hence the name. Yeah, but that must have been a lot of work for Sub Zero, like uh, to prepare this this arena, just like freeze freeze up like the whole gym. He also kidnapped um, his wife and daughter. Right, the thing that we were thinking was just going to happen because uh, Cole goes off to like do this Mortal Kombat thing and then just comes back and like his family is still fine. Fine enough, or rather, like, I mean, Goro comes in pretty quick, but uh, there's like that whole time period where like his family is okay. And then when things start, finally start to kick off, like, no, Sub-Zero did the thing that we all thought was just going to happen like immediately. Uh the pacing, like the pacing for the, or rather like just the timing for some decisions in here, it's like, it's really arbitrary. Mm-hmm. But then we get like the, the final fight sequence of the movie, which is Cole and uh, Scorpion 
who comes from hell to get his revenge on Sub-Zero. Wow. <laughs> Fighting Sub-Zero kind of together. They kind of double team. Literally like doing like a deus ex machina type of ending where it's like, yeah, Scorpion. Um, I mean, we all knew like Scorpion was going to show up, right? Like how? Yeah. How, how does it not? The movie failed to like deliver on a lot of stuff, but at least showing a Scorpion. Like Scorpion is on the posters for for the movie like we all knew like scorpion was gonna have his moment but just like for him to like get uh face day night summoned by cole who uh i don't know possessed like this relic which is just like uh it's just a spade <laughs> it's like a gardening spade <laughs> but it has his blood on it or something and it like yeah then then like scorpion shows up and it's uh it turns into a two versus one fight and that's kind of that's kind of the end of the movie. Yeah, he like Scorpion goes get over here and uses his uh, chain thing, and then he uses his fatality where he breathes fire at the end. All the all the fan favorites, all the all the moments that we uh, we paid however much we paid for to go to an actual physical movie theater to like, go watch Mortal Kombat twenty twenty one. I'm sure it paid off. We got all the all. Like, yeah, the movie ends and it's like, all right, cool. They they did a bunch of the things we wanted. The, yeah, they said all the things. They said all the things. They did all the things. One thing they didn't do was a tournament. Yeah, they didn't do a tournament somehow. They didn't do a Mortal Kombat tournament in the movie Mortal Kombat. But they, but they, they said finish him a couple times. They said fatality. They said flawless victory at least once. I think twice, actually. <laughs> yeah, maybe twice. Um, mm-hmm. Kung Lao said a bunch of those. Yeah. Did anyone ever go toasty? Uh, no, but you know maybe that'll come out in the Blu-ray. Maybe that maybe it'll throw throw a little toasty in in the Blu-ray. It'd be like a special mode where you can watch the movie and then during the fight scenes it'll just pop up toasty every <laughs> once in a while. That would actually rule. I mean that'd be at least more fun uh, that anybody would have with Mortal Kombat as opposed to like making it or watching it or even playing it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Cole is, um, an original character for the Mortal Kombat movie, but he's got, uh, the bloodline of Scorpion, who has, like, an actual name, right? Like, Hanzo, Hanzo something. Yeah. Uh, Hanzo Hasashi. Hanzo Hasashi. So not, like, Musashi and not, like, Hattori, but, like, oh, that's, like, that's, like, the most, like, made up, like, uh, couple of, like, <laughs> couple of guys just chilling or in a room kicking back drinking some hard liquor and then like wouldn't it be cool if like we just made like made up like a ninja for for the moral comment like what if we made like a whole big storyline that people are really going to care about i think that is his that might be his actual because he because that is like this the thing with like the scorpion sub-zero thing is more or less their actual story from like Mortal Kombat is that they were like rival ninjas. Uh, uh. I almost feel like that doesn't show up in one or two or three. No, it's pretty early because there's like multiple Sub Zeros at some point. Oh, true. <laughs> like, like the like, because remember the um, how do I remember this part? They're like the Sub Zero in Mortal Kombat Two. 
is the younger brother of the original Sub Zero. All right, yeah, because there's like something story like stuff. Like when before you put your quarters in, they like give you little bios on on the fighters and like update you like what happened between Mortal Kombat's one and two. And remember, there was like there was that Sub Zero video game. Ugh. Ugh. Back in the day, Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub Zero. It's not you know Mortal Kombat has uh, indeed bitten off more than it could chew quite a number of times over the years. <laughs> I think trying to like do whole like story centric spin offs of the of their characters is probably falls under falls under what I would consider as biting off more than you can chew. Well, the other thing is um, Sub Zero is usually a good guy and Scorpion's usually a bad guy, right? Like, they flip that around, I guess, too? I guess. Yeah, I don't remember Scorpion ever being a good guy. Yeah. It's a weird movie, man. Weird, weird movie. And on pretty much, like, every regard, like, way inferior to the 95 Mortal Kombat. Like, just thinking of, like, the Scorpion fight in 2021 versus the Scorpion fight in 1995. Like, that Scorpion fight in 1995 rules. It's, like, it's just, it's so, like, over the top. Like there, it's just it, they do that thing that twenty twenty one does, where it's like it just puts a couple of fighters in an area that has nothing to do with the story. Like it just it's a it's a complete break from what was actually happening. Like Johnny Cage is wandering around in like a weirdly symmetrical forest, and then he runs into Scorpion, and then they just fight. And then, uh, I mean, they do all the bits that you like to see, right? The get over here and like the bit with the fire, but the bit in the fire happens after Scorpion, like reality marble warps Johnny Cage into hell. (laughs) And then there's just like this incredible like soundtrack to all of it. It's just like, it's the most like mid nineties, like, I don't even know what it's just like guitars like screaming in your face. Like, yeah, look at this attitude. Look at Look at, like, how brutal this is. Meanwhile, like, the scorpion prop is, like, it's just an actual skull. Like, just, like, a plastic skull, and it, like, breathes fire. And then scorpion explodes at the end. It's It rules, but <laughs> it rules for different reasons than I think that the Mortal Kombat 2021 tried to, like, be, be good at, which is, like, a semi-serious, grim, all-around take on, uh, on, uh, on the series. And I think, like... To sum it up best, um, at the end of the movie, as the credits roll, they they play a new remix of the Mortal Kombat theme song mm-hmm. that's nowhere near as good as the original version. No way near. No way near as good. <laughs> and it, it, it only has the guy going mortal, like screaming Mortal Kombat yeah, like the guy once says in the Mortal whole Kombat. Track. But then they like, there's not like another voice saying like Liu Kang, yeah. Johnny Cage. It's not as Scorpion, it's just nowhere near as good. Sub Zero, Sonya Blade, Raiden, Kano, excellent. And just like yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just like you're just saying the names of the characters, and then you say excellent at the end. But it's like every every bit of that song, like it's so hard to forget. Like you hear it once, and then you're you're just like, it gets you hype every time you hear it too. Man, that is a banger. And they like they use that song like three times in in the in the 95 movie like they open with the song because they know that the song rules so it's the first thing that you like experience like the first thing that hits your senses is the song and then you see like the cg graphic of the mortal Kombat symbol like on fire so you're all like oh shit like i've only seen like the 
shitty arcade quality like whatever like 240p resolution that this thing is in but then like you walk into the theater and like the first thing that you've experienced is just this song blasting in your face with all this like fire going on and it's like you're not even like really doing anything you're just watching like a bunch of names scroll across the screen while a guy shouts mortal Kombat at you uh it it prepares you like it gets you it gets you in the mood pretty early on and then the next time they use it is during a pretty good like group fight scene i don't know maybe i don't know when was like the last time you've seen this movie but i've i saw it recently and it had um it did it did the thing where it's like just uh Liu Kang, Johnny Cage and Sonya fighting just like a bunch a, a bunch of like faceless uh henchmen and it worked really well but this isn't like this isn't like like the peak moment where where you would put that song right. So then they save it for Liu Kang versus uh, Shang Tsung later on, and that's perfect. Like that is the best usage of that song it, already in that movie. They they knew all the all the places to drop it, and this is like expected, right? You weren't going to do Mortal Kombat twenty twenty one without the song. They did Mortal Kombat twenty twenty one without bunch of things including like actually being good but at least they remember to put the song in but then the song isn't that good <laughs> did you read t- the interview with the guy who um yells mortal Kombat? yeah the guy the guy who's like he he like did all like he did like a bunch of questions with the guy who was interviewing him and he had like the most he really just seemed like so out of touch with what was going on <laughs> Yeah, he like it, it. It, I mean, it's fascinating because like he just happened to be the guy they had scream Mortal Kombat in a commercial, mm-hmm. and that scream was sampled for the song, and he didn't even know about it. He had no idea. I mean, like he, he, I, I think he like saw the movie like a bunch of years later. Uh, but other than that, like it here here's a guy who mortal Kombat was just not on his radar like they got a guy who like really just didn't care which is not surprising because mortal Kombat was still like it was just becoming a big phenomenon at that point it does not necessarily mean that like you know because mortal Kombat was you know popular with people like us that you know it hit people that were uh struggling to find decent employment in the acting industry in new york uh i saw that commercial it's like it's kind of surreal to see um that area of new york because that's like the lower manhattan like financial district that they just managed to clear out like a bunch of space like just seeing it as empty as it is like the last time i saw it like that was what like dark knight rises uh and then like just a bunch of children in early 90s outfits like being really excited for mortal Kombat. yeah it's that's a bit of a trip mortal Kombat. Yeah, I mean, I can't do it justice because all those synth- the synths on that thing are perfect, all of them. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so last parting shots on Mortal Kombat. Be prepared for the Johnny Cage sequel, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they want to. Johnny Cage. I heard that they want, or rather, not that they want, but I heard that the the Miz is positioning himself as Johnny Cage. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I could see that too, but do I want to see the Miz be Johnny Cage? <laughs> no. Uh, in uh, like the Mortal Kombat sequel, I don't know. My only advice is just scrap whatever plans you've got right now and just do it over. 
do it over from scratch. Do a, do a movie about a tournament, please. Do a movie about a tournament. I mean, you can bring back the actors, but just like just squash any references back to this movie because it's not very good. It's like it's sort of watchable, but uh, you can it's like you have a choice between this one and then the 95 Mortal Kombat. And apparently you like the 97 Mortal Kombat as well. So, yeah, it's like more more for you to enjoy. Yeah, I got plenty of Mortal Kombat to enjoy. Though I don't... I, it's been a very long time since I've watched either of those. <laughs> so... Oh, I have them on DVD still. Oh, man. I probably have the VHS for uh, for Annihilation still. Are they streaming on HBO Max or anything? <laughs> uh, can, can you just watch it instead? Can you watch 95 one? Because it depends on like on the rights, right? Like Miramax has the rights for those, but is Miramax owned by Warner Brothers now, or is it owned by Disney? Disney, right? I don't think HBO wants to have any sort of discussions with Disney about potentially getting like the good Mortal Kombat movies. Mortal Kombat 1995. I'm looking this up if it's streaming anywhere. It's on Peacock. Oh, of all places. Well, I mean, rejoice, Peacock. Uh, users, you can watch a good Mortal Kombat movie as opposed to having to sign up for HBO Max. And there you go. So that's my that is my final take on it. Go enjoy Mortal Kombat 1995. It's only gotten better with age. Yeah, go watch that movie instead. Actually, never mind. Go watch Street Fighter the movie instead. Oh, that's a movie I have not seen in a powerful long time. That 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 movie is legitimately great, and I love it. And I have seen it recently. All right. I might have to I might have to take your word for it. See, like, I can have a conversation with you about, like, movies that other people say, like, scream in my ear that they're bad. <laughs> uh, and, like, you know, I doubt I doubt that uh, the Mortal Kombat, uh, the Street Fighter movie is as bad as people say. I have to see. It's something I have to see for myself. It's you. Oh, you a hundred. I think you'd like it a lot. Probably. Uh, honestly, it's really good. Raul Julia is perfect in it. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is fine in it. The rest of the cast is pretty good. Uh, but it's it's really fun. It's really stupid and it's really fun. It's better than the Mortal. But it's better than all the Mortal Kombat movies. What? All right. All right, I'm definitely have to check it out then. It is the best movie based on a fighting game. High praise. I know. <sighs> Are we done? I think that is, in fact, the Anagamers podcast number 158, 158. Our subject was Mortal Kombat 2021. And this is where I ask you to finish him because this movie really just needs to be taken, taken out back and finished mm-hmm oh what a what an experience anyway so this is the part of the podcast where evan at sign vamp minto would recite a bunch of boilerplate and like get you excited for links to things that we do and we are excited about the things that we do however uh i'm not excited to do the boilerplate that evan does at the end of the podcast so i'm going to kindly ask somebody maybe Evan Minto, whoever's going to be doing the post for uh, for this podcast, to please kindly, at the bottom of the post, put all the all the things that uh, people can find us at, like Twitter, uh, twitch.tv, maybe the Discord. We got, we're just, we're everywhere. We've got a lot of things going on, and I don't have a lot of time to share them all with you, but please check them out. If you like this uh, 
episode of the Anna Gamers podcast, please let Evan know so that he can give me more opportunities to just do this on my own. Any last words from you, Pat? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no. I, I, yeah, I, I, this was fun talking <laughs> about Mortal Kombat and other things. Yeah, and that'll be the last time we ever talk about Mortal Kombat again, at least until the next movie. Yeah, join us next month where we talk about Street Fighter the movie. Yeah, Street Fighter, <laughs> an actual good fighting game. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And I think like a fade out here and then we're good. Nice. You can say later. Nice. Yes, later. There you go. Later. Get out get out of here. Go out and watch some anime. Play some games. Do whatever an anime gamer does. <laughs> <laughs>